I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum. We are coming to you from our new home at the ABC and we're so grateful to everyone for having us. If you don't know who we are, we're six women. We love to talk about football. Welcome. I'm Emma Race and I'm joined, as always, by my leather-poisoned sisters in football. Sitting with me is Dr Kate Sear. How are you, Katie? Well, I'm thrilled because Adelaide won the grand final, so... <laughs> it's great to be here. You're a mag- still, I'm still loving it. Crowita from way back. Lucy Race, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. And dressed as Elmo today, how are you, Nicole Hayes? <laughs> I'm feeling the pink, the pink red, whatever it is. Um, I'm very well, thank you. I should have said you're Sharon Red. That's Sharon what you Red, are. yeah, nice. How are you, Felicity Race? I'm good, thanks, little Ted. <laughs> Isn't that how oh, it works? I love you, big Ted. Oh. And I have to ask the question of Humpty. How are you, Alicia, sometimes? Are you well? Eternally pumped. Yes, of course you are. Okay, so... Can I just ask if that makes you Jemima? Of course it does. Good. Oh, my gosh, I love Jemima. We've got so much to get through today because on the weekend we saw the first AFLW Grand Final, which was emotional and amazing. And people played out of their skin. And I really felt it could have gone either way like Mm. I was obviously barracking hard for Adelaide which I did disclose last week Nicole you were going for the Lions I was going for the Brisbane Lions or Sab's team as I like to call them (laughs) (laughs) she had an absolute cracker I just also wanted to mention some players that I thought were outstanding because we don't often drill down into actual football football talk (laughs) mainly because we don't know anything about it (laughs) uh, Sabrina was amazing I thought Chelsea Randall was incredible Uh, Courtney Cramey was great Emily Bates was amazing Georgia Bevan with her red Mm. ribbon I couldn't take my eyes off her I thought she was just extraordinary and there was a player called Erin Phillips. Oh, what did she do? No, you know, yeah. bit of this, bit of that. <laughs> unbelievable. Both ends of the ground, uh, just everywhere. It's unbelievable. She dominated, didn't she? And she was huge when the game really was in the balance, I thought, particularly in the third quarter. So um, she was a well-deserved best on ground, I thought. How did you feel about the umpiring? Because I, I thought it was a pretty parochial um, umpiring effort, but then other people thought that there was a free kick that Sab should have got at, in the very final that, minutes, which would have actually changed the game. In the final second, actually. It was right as a siren went. Yeah, I, I felt like that was a bit rough. She was definitely entitled to that. But um, but for the rest of the game, I have to say it was fairly – it did seem to favour Brisbane. Um, I couldn't tell you because <laughs> I was having a heart failure watching the game and I have no idea what the umpires were doing. And 
last year, some of our listeners will remember that I used to do a bit of a Fitbit check to mm. see what my heart rate was. It was 143 in the oh. like last two minutes. I think maybe I... Oh, doctor. I think oh, I really... I'm not alone on that, though, surely. I think surely. On was... some beta blockers for the <laughs> season. <laughs> I don't need to. <laughs> I need to be sedated or something. So I couldn't tell you what was going on. No idea. <laughs> I, I just want to highlight the fact that I watched the game with Emma... I've never seen a girl cry so much through a sporting endeavour. <laughs> I did you cry cried from the start to the end. I'm going to cry now talking about it. I found it really emotional. Mm. I felt like it was a journey. And I know we've got to know the players and we love them all so much. I am actually tearing up as I talk about this. I'm such a loser. <laughs> oh my God, I'm <laughs> so you're our loser. sorry. No, it okay. was beautiful. One thing that I was curious about. So Erin Phillips, um, she ran through the banner with her babies. That has not gone unnoticed in the mainstream media we want to talk about that but the premiership cup was beautiful and Mm, shiny when it was so shiny alicia and when i first saw it i thought oh it's interesting because they've made it different to the men's it looks like you know it looks like the sister of the men's cup but it's just got a bit of a wider mouth (laughs) wider hips and i realized what's the wider hips and i was thinking i wonder why they went with that and i realized that the unit of measurement that they use was does it fit twins in it (laughs) how many babies can you fit in this cup exactly so i thought well done the afl really they really saw forward on that one didn't they (laughs) can you imagine a time when you've got the judd twins playing on one team for the the men's and the uh the phillips twins playing you know for the other it'll be extraordinary there's this mm. generation of new baby footballers coming. God help the triplets. Oh, my God, they should have a baby league. <laughs> <laughs> With baby banners. that Oz kick. I think oh, Gary Lyon might have something to say about that. Okay, let's talk about it. So Gary, with a couple of R's, um, was critical of people taking babies. And when I say people, he happened to bring it up this time round, and it was aimed at Erin Phillips. And it was about, I don't know if you heard it, but he was talking about when she went through the banner holding them. And he was saying it was dangerous. Um, and Did she uh, kick them through the banner? No, she didn't. She carried them oh, okay. as a mother does right. through well, the banner. Surrounded by all of her teammates. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was led to believe she handballed them through the banner. I mean, such 25 the- I. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think this discussion comes up a bit, though. You know, people say, you know, how young's too young. My greater safety concern about footballers is when they retire and they put them on a deck chair in the back of a ute and drive them around. Yeah, that is a serious OH&S issue. That's not safe. No kidding. No. No. No, No one's mum thought that was a good idea. Exactly. (laughs) But you heard it here first. Felicity Race has raised the... Raise the issue, and I'm sure the AFL will respond officially to it. <laughs> Absolutely, you will see seatbelts on Grand Final Day. <laughs> Lucy Race. Well, I just for me, it's a it's probably twofold. It's firstly, I don't think people really need to be giving other people parenting advice. I think most parents are going to be looking after the safety of their kids and pretty much know it's going to be okay. Mm. Secondly, for me, it's a bigger issue where with that particular discussion um, with Gary Lyon is. They don't spend a whole lot of time talking about women's sport on that radio station. And so to lead with that and to make it all about um, him and his opinions really ate into the time where you could actually be talking about the sport. And so, Especially when you're talking about someone who is elite across codes, mm. who has completely busted the glass ceiling in mm. terms of being the most talked about sports person in the country right now. And other dudes have brought out babies. And fair enough that the time that did get criticism too. A certain Hawthorne player brought out a little bub, yep. a bit younger than the twins, um, and it has got criticism. But but they but also again. they went and spoke to their um, paediatrician or their 
whatever it was, doctor and said, is it okay to take Freddie out on the field? And I would say this as well. Daisy Pierce was commentating. She's a midwife. Mm, <laughs> she thought yeah. it was a massive issue. I reckon she would have spoken up. Tiana Ernst would have got involved, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> there are people who are actually qualified to comment on this who aren't Gary Lyon, who didn't seem to have a problem. But I think what the um, what's really challenging is the fact that, you know, he his argument was that it's – you know, that wasn't the right environment and that he also did, you know, have issues about Jordan Lewis and him. There were other players who have done it. So it's not a gender thing um, that he was trying to be fair and even handed by treating the women the same as the men. Mm. That one always bugs me just a little bit because you're not starting on a play evil, even playing field to start with. Um, a comment about, um, a, you know, as Lucy said, a woman who's fought every single step of the way to get there has finally got a moment of and surrounded by women who have also had to fight to get there on in a way that the men have never had to just to be to justify their existence on the field and then to ruin that moment in one shot like that and to try you know to change the conversation of from success to a criticism is just not cool. Or maybe uh, Mark, who commented on Fox Sports' website, may have the right idea. He said, as for women playing footy, I'm all for it. I'm happy girls have the chance to play for the team they love. But that being said, they need to understand the hard work of men who have gone before them. (laughs) And how about saying thank you? Uh, do you think the Netball Association has an intention of having all male players? I don't think so. Uh, so that, that's not fair. I think this is incredibly sexist oh, and preach. women should mm. be more thankful. Preach, Mark. Mark preach. makes some salient points Thanks, there. I just want to rebut that slightly with something that <laughs> I um, heard on um, This AFL Life with Julia Kiera um, at the helm, uh, at the microphone for this particular comment where she was saying, talking about moving of the grounds and she was talking about you know what they wouldn't do it for the men's competition I'm so sick of being grateful let's Mm. just be equal yeah and then let's take it from there and you know what she's actually helping me pave my own version of feminism because I was like oh yeah move the grounds or whatever let's just play the game I'd play it on the footpath not me personally Um, (laughs) but now I'm like you know what We've had season one. Yeah. Let's not be grateful anymore. Let's just expect that mm. we're going to be treated the exact same way as the men. Off the back of which, I'd just like to bring up an article by Mark Robinson, um, mm. the, who is the chief footy writer. and For the Herald Sun. For the Herald Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was an f- amazing moment when Erin Phillips won the W Award. And, oh, gosh, she was amazing. She, of she course, won she every was, award. She won every <laughs> award. So you have to be specific. Um, and she kissed her wife. Um, it was a point two of a second. Someone beautifully and magically ma- managed to get that photo. And it's gone... It's gone everywhere mm. and it's a beautiful photo of someone congratulating their wife on what is an epic achievement. But it is just a relationship moment. And um, he wrote an article today um, talking about it. And look, a lot, of, a lot of what he was saying was very valid. I did read it with the David Brent narrator voice in my head. <laughs> that doesn't and help. The, and it doesn't help because he said... Unfortunately, in the first line, he said it was, let's be honest, to a couple of guys out there, it was probably quite sensual. No. And that's where you get... Yeah, stop it. Put it it back in your pants, Robbo, because... (laughs) You know what? You wouldn't do that for the men's. 
That's where no. that's my rule of thumb. You know what? If you wouldn't say it for the men's competition or for the Brownlow, that's then it. don't yeah. say it here and yeah, don't the, sexualize the players. Exactly. If, you know, when Gary Ablett wins a Brownlow, the opening line in the article isn't. And when he kissed his wife, it was very hot. Reminds us. Just don't even go there, do you? It really reminds us oh, that I we do. have to see the world <laughs> through that heteronormative, that male heteronormative gaze, and that even a, a, a moment that should be a celebration for the LGBTIQ community. Community ends up being dominated by central to men. You know, the oh, conversation is about hijacked. men again. Hijacked. If they were passing, you know, understandably. but yeah, Exactly. And look, I don't think we should go too hard on Mark Robinson because he, you know, most of what he wrote was fantastic. And, and you don't get from zero to 100% right on topics and issues without working it out along the way. And so it's really important to allow people to kind of find their way in how to talk about this. And Nick's like, <laughs> Busting, jump in here, but I'm just saying, you know, he, know. he's, it, it, you know, if he took out that sentence, I would have been okay with most of, mm. you know, and and I I get it, it shouldn't be a big deal, it shouldn't be an article, but it is, mm. and there's a lot of people from that community who are actually pretty pleased that you know that people are talking about it. So I think it's just a, a, a the challenge is he said. There are going to be a lot of women who won't like that I said that. So that's my point where you go, well, how about you ask them why first before you report it? And mm. maybe have a think about whether you still want to say it. Um, I'm going to assume he didn't investigate why we might have a problem with it or and decided that his need to express it is more important than you know what it actually means. Mm. So that's where he was aware that he was raising a flag there and mm. still went on anyway. It's interesting though issues of gender and the way that um, gender and what the women have brought to the footy competition it's all being worked out and you know one thing that we were looking at this week was the caricature poster the winner's poster oh. of the Adelaide Crows and <laughs> Lucy you it kind of Got your feathers well, in it. <laughs> <laughs> ruffle, did my feathers. And I guess for me what it did was pose that question of how do you denote that something is female without resorting to stereotypes? And in the same way that in that article the word sensual jumped out as being completely inappropriate, I guess on that picture of the crow, I found the boobs quite inappropriate. Not the birds with lips. I also didn't like the, the lipstick. lipstick. And lipstick. and I guess I don't know. What do you think, guys? Don't you? Did you feel it was overly sexualized? There was two versions. The one to the front with the lips and uh, the boobs, and then there was one where the crow was to the side without lips and with the boobs. And both versions seemed very well, very it's, interesting. It's the idea that the default crow oh, doesn't have any gender assignation but we have to assume that's male and, that, and it's just well, to make see, it different is women yeah you is don't female. see balls you're no, not seeing no penises sometimes here, but yeah they don't have the outline of some uh, testes do yeah. they but it raises Maybe the other question should. i mean i think those, po- those, those posters would sell like hotcakes i reckon if we had wouldn't it happened on wigs watch is that what you say that's right yeah but it raises a question too of, of mascots because you know, i was at the richmond carlton game the other night and the Blues have their two mascots. They've got Captain Carlton and um, Navy Nina. Mm-hmm. And they walked past and I was pretty excited. And then I looked out on the field and there were the two Tigers. And in my mind I was thinking, well, they're both wearing footy jumpers and shorts. Neither of them have a jaunty pink bow. But I'm going to assume that one is a male footballer and one is a female footballer. And I think, you know, once we sort of free ourselves up from those stereotypes that you've got to have a bow in your hair or you've got to have pink lipstick or, <laughs> or testicles or, or testicles if like does that not make it a little bit more inclusive 
It's definitely one up for grabs, and I think we need to get it right because I found that I found I I didn't see any boobs during the mm. whole of the AFLW. I've got to say I felt like it was a fairly boob-free competition. There wasn't a lot of lipstick on the field. No, either. there wasn't. Mm. Maybe a there top was, knot. Maybe a top knot would help. A bit of ribbon here. But and there. then Bryce Gibbs, I guess you yeah. could get confused. <laughs> oh, who knows? <laughs> Our gorgeous Megan, who is our seventh member of uh, the Outer Sanctum, she is a lion at heart. And so it was a hard grand final for her. But you should, you, she was out there getting grabs for us and she got us some colour and movement from grand final day. We'd love to play that package for you now. I know it's the kind of closing moments of the AFLW for us. But you will hear some Vox Pops with some parents of some players. Also, you'll hear from Sarah Perkins, Abby Holmes and Bette Goddard, who it turns out is the voice. Try and understand it. Here it is. <laughs> Nervous all week, but today's good. <laughs> Go, Caitlin. <laughs> oh, so exciting. Can't believe it. This time I am. <laughs> Very much so. They, they deserve to be there. They really do. They've all played well as a team. Megan and all of the Adelaide Crows for giving Megan some time after they'd become the champions of the world. I know, and I think um, it would be remiss of us not to point out that Beck Goddard is the first woman ever to coach an AFL flag, which is an extraordinary achievement. I think there are only two women coaching, her and uh, Mish Cowan, so huge congrats, Beck. 
huge congrats to Beck. It's a really um, massive moment in the history of the game. It, it, seems, always, it seems kind of fitting too, doesn't it, that a, a team with a female coach wins the first ever um, AFLW. Extra special. I think it's lovely. In Bruce McAvaney's words. And I think also really special for John Farnham. Let's be honest. <laughs> he must have been punching the air when she got up and quoted him on the, on the winner's dice. And um, I just think that that's going to be a resounding mem- memory. Like it sh- probably should be a national for anthem. Yeah. I just wish she'd had her bagpipes with her. I think that would have <laughs> just been even more special. So uh, last Thursday, uh, the AFLM kicked off and the Blues <laughs> and the Tigers faced off in their traditional Thursday night encounter. Mm. Nothing says footy quite like a Thursday night. You were there, mm. Lucy Race. Did it have a good vibe? Um, it had a great vibe. Um, the vibe was probably outdone on the Saturday night, but by the Essendon mm. fans returning to football without big clouds hanging over them. But um, do you know what I didn't like? I didn't like the Carlton banner. Oh. Oh. It was so stinky. It was stinky. <laughs> so they'd had a PR firm put it together and it was just mean. It was picking on Dusty. Who totally showed them. Who you totally them showed them one. with his 30 disposals and four goals and mm. basically, you know, put another whole section on his CV. Mm. But... I thought that was just mean. Why would they outsource that? That's so confusing was, to me. I was no. going to say I blame um, Danny McGinley, who who Rightly does. So. <laughs> That's right, Danny. God. Yeah, I mean he puts together those amazing banners for the Western Bulldogs, and obviously Carlton sort of thought they'd have a crack at being funny too. I mean, don't they have any funny supporters? Mm. Out, out Darcy Bessio. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Sam, Sam Pang. Pang. <gasps> Speaking of Is which, funny. Did you see the <laughs> Sam Pang, um, Dave Hughes, Andy Lee, and that? No funny people there. And that cool guy <laughs> from Offspring, who the actor, who I can't remember his that name, dude. that dude, they did a video that went, it was kind of all over Twitter and, you know, social media and stuff, and it was for a sponsorship drive for Carlton, and I watched it and went, oh, man, that is so it cool. Is. Well <laughs> done, Carlton, that's so cool. And my husband called from the other room and said, you know they paid for it. And I said, well, good on them. They'll make their money back. And he said, no, 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 not Carlton. Sam Pang, <gasps> Dave Hughes, Andy Lee, and the other cool Some guy. Other guy. <laughs> <laughs> other guy. They paid for it like that's that's wow. what some supporters do so ladies bring your novelty checks next week <laughs> put our hands in our pockets yeah, yeah. Well, maybe they could do the banner next week let's just not pick on people yeah, yeah. and also yeah. if you're going to trash talk you might want to win <laughs> Ooh, and also sorry. check the hairstyles of everyone else i think i think you nicole know. just wrote the banner for next week it's <laughs> <laughs> like when you're playing pool and you have to call your pockets come on that's, that's, <laughs> that's, point. that's actually true. So the Essendon Hawthorne game had a pretty massive vibe as well yeah. because there was lots of returns, lots of ins, if you want to say it like that. Obviously, lots for Essendon, and that was exciting. The fans were up and about, and it was good. Mm. Let the babies have their bottle. Let and them win. That was so good. Scarves. They were twirling the, the scarves. The fans were pumped. It was mm. back. Footy was back for them in a massive way. Have you got anything from our Essendon correspondent? All I would say is none of this has been the fans' fault, and so how fantastic the, the fans, mm. the members, the supporters who have – you know, they have stood by their club and they're out there in force and everybody deserves to love football and they've done it hard, those fans, so mm. good on them. Absolutely. Yep. I was nice to them for one night, but now yeah, we're back Yeah, nice, you had a nice one, Katie, because we had a big return for Hawthorne in mm-hmm. one Mr Captain Jared Ruffhead. I know. I was going to say, I mean, it was really disappointing uh, as a Hawthorne supporter to lose to Essendon, but in all seriousness, it sounds very cliched, but it pales into insignificance to go and to see Jared Ruffhead back. Um, was kind of, you know, 
a win really for us to be honest and to see him kick that goal that was huge that was the noise at the MCG was deafening it was sensational and um it was great un- to see it was him. unmissable and mm. I mean we've got we've got probably Jared Ruffhead's <laughs> number one fan Lucy Race oh, you have Lucy. a dog called Jared Ruffhead I do. You love this man wholeheartedly. How did you celebrate that first <laughs> well, goal? Well, to be like, I'm just going to say this here. I'm sure no one's listening, but I was actually at the toilet. <laughs> number two toilet, I, was I at hope. The number two yeah. toilet. So maybe that had In something. In the number to... two or doing a number no, two? No, I was or... actually at the toilet with the number two on the door. I heard the massive roar and went, oh, what, we what got was that that just there. fell out of me? <laughs> Oh, but isn't that, that's just the story of my life. It really um, is, actually. Yeah. She's always at the always toilet. At the toilet. Oh. I, I rely on you going to the toilet for Hawthorne to well, win. Well, we're doing school. very well at the time, so I thought, I'll just duck out now and see if I can get a few more goals on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling. We've got to pick a new toilet since wow. Sam Mitchell went to West Coast. It's one of the great, great issue of the season, Sam really. Who? Mm. <laughs> who? Yeah, yeah, that hack. Um, there was one thing that I heard in the commentary of the Carlton-Richmond game that I I don't want to be Dr. Downer because <laughs> no one can replace please, you. Please, But I when I off. heard... Hamish McLaughlin use an OJ Simpson reference as yeah. the running Not down. Cool. I it just uh, oh geez. can you explain it to anybody? I can't who actually. Might not. <laughs> I can't explain <laughs> it. You explain it. I don't even want to talk about well, it anymore. I think um, I, there was a moment where someone I can't even remember who it was actually was being chased down the down the wing and in towards the pocket, and he said that he hadn't seen a chase like this since OJ Simpson. And my my immediate reaction actually was to interpret it as about the Ford Bronco chase, you know that chase. Oh, and I thought this is the most poor, this is in the poorest taste. But I'm going to just say that I think it's also plausible that he was talking about OJ as a running back. I know, don't think it? he was. I wouldn't have thought I, so. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I think it's possible. You're Gee, you're a nice person. What did you, what's happened to you? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what's taken place. But I think it's possible that he meant that. Like you know, to, but I think it's unlikely. There's and better in any event, yeah. there are much better people references. who might like we'd know who would have seen play football because not you know OJ is much more famous here for other things mm. than he is for his football. Yeah, that's not really. I just taste. think when you're talking about when you support white ribbon, um, say no to DV with stand up to DV. I just think let's not bring OJ into the game. Mm. Can I just say though that to me is not the worst commentary clangor of the weekend. If I hear a commentator again say that somebody has marked the ball at the highest point, I'm going to flip out. <laughs> because I have never in all my years of watching footy seen someone like on a ladder <laughs> Taking the ball at what is literally the highest point, or on the roof of Eddie Hazard, taking Darcy. the ball. What about Darcy's you know? um, little superimposed Darcy? Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. But I just—it has to be eradicated out of the game. Just putting it out there—it's nonsense. What about nonsense. shot on goal? What do you think about that, Nicole? I You're actually don't. What, I mean, what do they? It's actually, a shot at goal. Yeah, right. Correct. So how can you be on it? I don't Oh. And if you are, I'm thinking you're not going to get six points. Don't you love? <laughs> no, because it's touched. I'm just thinking. Right? Can I just say I'm just thinking about all of our new listeners who are t- tuning in for the first time this week and thinking, what on earth is happening here? We're dealing with the big issues. That's what's yeah. happening. It's <laughs> poetry shot on goal. Big issues. I just feel like it's oh, you're going to jump it. You're going to make love to it. It's it's really? on goal. Oh. Yeah. How, how do you feel about love? yeah? Oh, how do you feel Robinson. about verses? <laughs> Who are you versing? Who are you versing this weekend? I feel like you should sing at that point. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we cleared that (laughs) up. I meant that Go sing. (laughs) Hey, um, you're always carrying on about how you want to see men having emotions in sport. Um, We saw something this week. Actually, Lucy, did you want to talk about this? Jason Day. I know you love golf. 
Yeah, you given love, that I'm like the love golf. golf and tennis correspondent <laughs> for this little <laughs> podcast. Um, no, Jason Day was playing the World Match Play um, and his mum is fighting cancer at the moment and was two days away from having some major surgery and Jason had decided he'd play and he thought he'd be fine and as he was playing he realised he wasn't and so much to his credit he decided to put up his hand and say I can't do this and what I loved about it was the fact that he was you know quite explicit about how um, it was affecting him Mm -hmm. and I thought that's awesome to see somebody just say you know what I'm really struggling it's okay to say I can't do this and to talk about his emotions in front of everyone and to cry and to cry I thought it was pretty powerful God help the footballer though who halfway through the grand final puts his hand up and says I can't do this can you imagine what the Australian public would do to a sports person here. I'm hoping we're evolved enough that if they were going through a similar thing, we might understand. Mm. I'm hoping. I don't I'm hoping think they're going to so do it half time. Is no. that what you mean? Well, was... that, I mean, he essentially walked out during a match during the. But tournament, it's an individual so... sport. He's not playing a team sport. Yeah, it's no. a series. So if it was between finals, that's the equivalent, I yeah. guess. And yeah. that is quite yeah. different, I think, to just stomping in the middle of the play and saying, "Hang on, <laughs> lay down, Sally." Style. I feel I like doing that. To say, lay down, <laughs> Sally. It's a bit like maybe it's not different in a team sport, but people would interpret it differently in a team oh, sport, which I think is unfortunate. Yes. Because yeah. a bit like you know, to me when I watched that video, it was actually really heartbreaking and mm. very difficult to watch. And I felt for him. I felt it was really he was so exposed. But it did remind me of Jared Ruffhead and the point I made earlier about things being so much bigger than sport, mm. really. Mm. And I thought it was great that he that he did, as you said, Lucy, just say, this is not really important in the scheme of things. I'm out. Kate, we're going to come to you again because something <laughs> massive happened this week. Ben Cousins is going to have to go to jail and he's, uh, the Ben Cousins story continues. It's a terribly sad one, especially for him and his family. You have done a lot of work into drug research and you have actually spoken to Ben Cousins about one of your studies that you were doing. How have you interpreted this news and my question to you specifically is what will be the ramifications for him in terms of him going to prison rather than going to like a rehabilitation centre mm-hmm. and, and the reasons for him going to prison given you're a lawyer you can kind of unpack that for us just do <laughs> it's all a that very now small 25 question. words or less yeah, very small, small question, question. Look, I think the first thing to say is that it's a huge story, I think, a really complex story. And I was thinking about what I wanted to say this week and there's just so much that could be said about it, too much actually to to, to properly be able to do justice to it here. You know, one of the things that's been happening in the last few days is that there's a huge amount of commentary around what's taken place and it's that that I, I thought it was worth focusing on rather than because I think Ben's story sheds light on his experiences but it also sheds light on drug issues more broadly and drug law. You know, one of the, the main themes that I've noticed in uh, commentary in the last few days is that there tend to be these two discourses happening. One is everyone saying he's got a disease, he's suffering from a disease in the form of addiction and he's sick. And then on the other hand, people are saying he's a bad person and he's a criminal and he should be punished. And very often commentators, including really well-known commentators, are using both of those kind of ways of seeing it at the same time. And so what we're getting is a very garbled, I think messy, quite uh, incoherent and pretty contradictory discussion of drug use. 
But I just wanted to draw out three aspects of the commentary that I thought were especially important. And as I said, it's hard to do justice to it because there's so much that could be said. But the first one is around the language that's used. We've talked a lot on this program about the importance of language, and we don't often talk about it in relation to drug use. But I just want to read a little bit from an article that was in The Age by Michael Gleason. He wrote a piece about cousins that started off with, with this. He said, on Tuesday, a drug addict was sent to jail. He had gone to court and listened, fidgeting and fretting next to his bereft parents as his lawyer argued why he should go to rehab and not a cell. The drug addict was sent to jail for an accumulation of offences and then he went on to say, this was just another drug addict in just another court on just another day. And it takes several paragraphs until we get to the point that he says that this is Ben Cousins. Now, maybe he thinks that's a kind of dramatic way to tell the story, but you know, there's so there is so much written about the use of this kind of language and how depersonalizing and dehumanizing it is. Um, you know, most people might not know that the term drug addict or talking about someone as a drug addict is really passe. It's really, really controversial. It's considered really prejudicial and stigmatizing. So, um, and actually, the White House just a couple of months ago released a paper on just this just this point urging people to to move away from that terminology. So I think that kind of commentary is really unfortunate. The second thing that I just wanted to draw out was that there have been a lot of commentators, Brendan Favola is one, Glenn Jakovic is another, who've said that cousins will be better off in prison. And I think that's really naive um, conclusion to draw. And the reason is because actually there are very few supports for most people who have a drug problem in prison. There are very few programs. Drugs are rife in prisons. Clean needles aren't available in prisons. Lots of people acquire diseases like HIV and hepatitis C in prison. And actually coming out of prison is when people who have a drug problem are at the greatest risk of fatal drug overdose because they haven't had those supports um, and and rehab and programs. So, um, you know, it's actually not the best place for someone with a drug problem to be. Uh, Far from it, it's maybe the worst place for a um, person with a drug problem to be. And the final point (laughs) of my little kind of soapbox rant is that um, one of the other things that's happened this week, again, a lot of football commentators have been conflating Cousins' drug use with... Uh, stalking. He was convicted of stalking offences, um, breaching a violence restraining order, as they're called in WA. So like an intervention order or a, um, an AVO, as they're called, called in other parts of the country. And most people have been saying, you know, this behaviour was caused by his drug use. And that to me is really problematic. It may have been, who knows. But um, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that he's been accused of and convicted now of some really serious gendered violent offences, stalking and threatening behaviour. And um, I think the magistrate said that his former partner had been subject to a reign of terror or or language like that. And to somehow explain it away um, by saying that this is just what drugs do, um, not only, I think, Uh, simplifies a really complex set of issues but then sort of reflects badly on other people who use drugs by sort of implying that um, they too can just slip into this kind of behaviour and it's much more complex than that. Thanks, Katie. Wow. (laughs) Next week we'll hear 
about what Felicity does for a job. <laughs> I, should say, I, should, I should say as well, like I have enormous sympathy for his partner and his family, but I also have enormous sympathy for Ben, who I've met, as you said, for my research and who is a lovely, intelligent, articulate person mm. who has some problems and I, I hope that he will get through them. And can we just reiterate what it was he said to you at the end of telling no. you his whole life story? <laughs> no, we can't. I'll, I'll take out the expletives. But after he told me his life story, I th- said thanks very much. And he said, too easy. <laughs> With some expletives thrown in. Our guest this week on the podcast is someone who was working in drug and alcohol rehabilitation, someone who works solidly to try and make the world a better place. And he also plays for Carlton. His name is Dennis Armfield. And we were so lucky to catch up with him a couple of weeks ago. Thanks for joining us, Dennis. Great to be with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, first of all, congratulations are in order because you've been elevated to the leadership group. Nothing changes from my perspective. Um, Always sort of considered myself a leader of the club. Um, now I've just got the role, the title I guess. Yeah, look, it's a huge honour to get voted in by your peers. That respect, sort of recognition of respect. But yeah, look, just working hard with the boys now and making sure that we're all striving for the one goal and helping the coaches out where I can now and a bit more uh, organised, I guess, I should say. <laughs> we're a big fan of Bolts because we're traditionally Hawthorne supporters, so we're very Maybe I should leave. We're, we're, we're pleased that you have him. We hope you enjoy him. Um, when he started at Carlton, he encouraged all the players to pursue interests, we read this, outside of footy. And you were one person that didn't really need to be encouraged because you've obviously got podiatry that you're studying and you're interested in a number of social causes. So last year when Carlton launched Carlton Respects in consultation with the Luke Batty Foundation and Our Watch, um, we understand that you were a driving force in that campaign and we were just wondering why it is um, that you took an interest in um, pursuing a program within the club that, that addresses family violence and domestic violence. What was your motivation? Oh, look, um, it all started when Christian McKellar came out and spoke. Um, she told us a pretty, look, blunt, to put it bluntly, gut-wrenching story. It sort of hit home a bit that... You know, it's not just the physical but also the verbal abuse that can occur. And as a, as a male, I just sort of thought, you know, this isn't what we should stand for. It's not tough. It's not strong. It's probably the complete opposite. And I um, spoke to Christy and uh, Kate Jenkins at the time and just sort of said, look, I'd love to help out in any way. I'm no expert in the area. All I know is I'd never cause any harm to any woman, um, either verbally or physically. And... Look, it just went from there, and I think it's just something that we've got to get out to all males now, um, and all greater society. Like, it can start talk, start up in the higher areas and work its way down. And, um, you know, I just want to really try to drive the fact that, you know, you don't need to use your hands or, or voice to uh, get through to someone. You can have a civilised sit-down and conversation and hear both things. And not only that, sometimes it's good to have women in power as well. Um, it's all both. You know, we shouldn't worry about having that bravado of being the macho man anymore I think those days are gone um look don't worry I still try to pretend I'm tough but uh, <laughs> it's uh no look it was just something hearing Christy's story was really really gut-wrenching um and so I just thought look I have to be involved in this I have to help where I can whether I change the persona of one or two males out there well then my job's done so yeah I was just really passionate about it I'll continue to be yeah. what's the feedback been from the playing group to you know those other stories and the things that you've been kind of bringing them awareness 
Yeah, look, I think the, the little thing is just um, little comments, little digs that we might say that we think slip off the tongue that we mean no harm by. Just educating the boys about that, you know, like, I don't know, if you throw a, a short ball instead of saying, oh, did you bring your girlfriend's arms or something like that, yeah. keeping it just more on a level like, oh, you didn't throw the ball very far, did you? Like, <laughs> it's just little things like that. We mean no harm by it, but that that tone of voice and that style of voice has to change and that was the only thing the boys have really really enjoyed it current respects obviously the orange socks that we wear we uh, actually enjoy that game get to wear a different colour sock which is always <laughs> fun but uh, no look it's, it's the reasoning behind it and I think you've seen a lot of our boys have jumped on board and really helped out where they can and you know, like I said again, it just it needs to be cut out of society mm-hmm. and look we'll do our part I'm not saying we're heroes anyway but Look, we're all learning. I'm learning. So that's the good thing. It's not the only thing that you've been involved in, Dennis. As Emma said at the start, you've, you know, you've got a lot of interest outside of footy. And a few years ago, one of the things you decided to do, which really interested me, was to become an ambassador of Odyssey House, which is an organisation that um, it is an dr- alcohol and drug treatment facility. Yep. And you won the Jim Steins Community Award for that work. So congrats on that as well. Yeah, um, what drew you to that work? I guess just the lack of knowledge again. I've had a few family slash friends go down a pathway and I've always been on the receiving end and never really knew how to approach them or what way I should approach them, whether it's push them aside and say, no, you're done, or whether to draw them in and give them heaps of love and and care. So I I was never really sure and it's all a learning phase and I think... Having that ability to get involved with people and breaking that stigma. I think people sort of think once you're a drug or alcoholic, you're uh, always one. And I think there's some really great people out there that people have missed um, through either a bad choice or a uh, hardship done in life. They've chosen something different, a different pathway, and it hasn't always worked. But I think you see these people out at Odyssey House turning the corner Making, wanting to help themselves, not only for themselves, but for their family and friends. And they turn out to be really great people. And I think that's what drove me to stay involved with there. And yeah. Jim Steins was just an added bonus, but more about getting more knowledge for Odyssey House, which is a great thing. Yeah, it's fantastic. And um, you mentioned stigma, which is something I did want to ask you about. So I think that you know alcohol and other drug problems, it's, it's often said it's one of the most stigmatised um, behaviours or problems anywhere in the world. And I wondered if you saw parallels between that stigma and other kinds of prejudice, like racism, sexism, homophobia, that kind of thing, and, and, and how we might try and tackle that sort of stigma. Yeah, look, the only sort of thing I could sort of say with any sort of stigma is lack of knowledge. Um, and that's the main thing. People, uh, look, we grow up with our parents and what they pass down or our social networks, what we pass to each other and you know, sometimes that's not always right. I'm not saying it's wrong, but sometimes we just don't have that knowledge. We hear something, we believe that, we pass that on. Um, and I think that's why I try to get involved with as many organisations as I can get involved with is because it's just the knowledge. It's the same with racism. People don't understand certain races, so we stay away or say something different or be rude to them or whatever or belittle. But if you get to know them and get to understand their culture and all that and vice versa, they understand us... You can, you can all coordinate together, and I think that's what it's all about. Same with the drug and alcohol, same with the women, domestic violence, just everything. Like As much knowledge as you can gain, the stronger and 
more powerful you'll be in that in that area, I guess. Just on the back of that, um, how do you feel about footballers weighing in on social issues? You, you clearly use your platform to um, put yourself within the conversation and to try to educate people, but is that always well received? Oh, look, some people might think we're sort of putting our noses where we shouldn't, and that's, again, that's everyone's allowed their opinion. I don't hold a grudge against anyone. Some people like me, some people don't like me. So... That's the way the world, uh, the cookie crumbles, as they'd say. But um, look, um, I think it's just, I'm all for people speaking out and having their say, um, as long as it's done with knowledge behind them um, and with respect, then hearing people say something, at least um, it's going to get out there and it might be said in the wrong way, but it starts a conversation which then educates us. So look, like I said earlier, we're no saints. We've all done something wrong in our life and I, I think it's just about you learn from that and... Yeah, keep going. Keep going forward. Yeah. Well, speaking about going forward, we've um, this is a huge year for the AFL because we've had the advent of the AFLW competition and you've started doing some work with the um, Carlton AFLW team and we're really interested to hear what that's like What and the transition from, you know, having been in a male football club environment to working with women. What? What, what have you discovered along the way? Yeah, look, it was it's, it's definitely different. Look, I formed a relationship with Loz Arnell early, midway through last year, and sort of got to know her and watched a few of the AFL or the VFL women's games. And then was fortunate enough, along with Damien, to get a job sort of as a specialist coach and help the girls out. And they're just as passionate about football, if not more passionate about football. They've strived so long to get here, and they're super excited. Look, there's definitely differences. Um, they're very friendly nice to opposition to supporters everyone like everyone's nice but look that'll change obviously it's getting more and more professional Um, and obviously look the girls at the moment are really battling with part-time full-time it's amazing what they do working hard off field working hard on field it's exciting you've obviously seen by the crowds that people want to watch which is super and look it's a learning point for me it's sort of uh probably without putting it bluntly, it's rejuvenated my career because it's something different yeah. and it's some sort of different brand of football that I can watch. Yeah, well, I was interested in your career. I mean, do you imagine yourself continuing to be involved with women's footy or with coaching? Is that something you're going oh, to look, pursue? I, I'd love to just stay involved with Carl Football Club, to be honest with you, um, in any shape or form. If it's a clean, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> no, look, I just love the club. Um, I love the women's footy. That's probably something I would love to pursue um it's it's raw i love the raw talent they're easily coachable they listen to everything they're probably too coachable like they listen to everything exactly you say but um yeah look i i I just love the club and i'll do anything to help that club in any shape or form and anything the club wants backing behind i'll I'll do the same so look hopefully i can uh weasel my way in somewhere post football but look at the moment i'm still a footballer and hopefully uh, the body keeps ticking along nicely hopefully that toilet cleaning job (laughs) comes up we're not going to keep you for much longer because we should explain that we're at the launch the season launch of um the of the carlton the carlton season launch is the words i'm trying to say and it's a very fancy do out there so you need to get to your other responsibilities but just finally we have a question that we ask all of our guests and it's a funny one because when we've asked it to footballers in the past they look at us like we're crazy but the question is how is your relationship with football right now yeah look my relationship with footy is an interesting one probably a few years ago i was sort of off football uh didn't really like it thought it was becoming too uh professional but right now i'm i'm loving it i'm loving having the women's side as well driving that i love the men's side i love now that I sort of 
feel like I belong. Not that I never did, but like I'm really part of that. Not only as the team, but the club itself. Yeah, really driving footy at the moment. Really loving it. Really loving what the game's doing, both domestically and internationally now. It's exciting times for the game. I sort of sit there and think, oh, it's coming to an end, but I'm trying to drag that out because I really am enjoying it. And the more I can stay in it, it's such a, it's a, an amazing game, amazing opportunity I've had in my life. I've met amazing people. I'm here doing this podcast that I never would have done if I was just down in Perth. So look, I'm very grateful for what the game's given me. And I think now that my career is coming towards an end later in life, I feel like I've got to try to give back to it now. Thank you so much to Dennis Armfield for giving us his time. Kate, you were swooning. I was swooning. I really liked Dennis. He was a really charming, um, down-to-earth, ordinary guy. And um, I loved that he was sort of dedicating himself to stuff that he didn't sort of know much about before he had this opportunity, but he felt he could make a difference. And, you know, the stuff he said about language and um, stigma and, you know, trying to move beyond your prejudice and listen and learn really ties in, I think, to what we're talking about with Ben Cousins. And so, um, yeah, it was really wonderful to speak to him. I enjoyed it. He does great work. He has a beautiful aura. He has a clever mind and a beautiful aura. And he, yeah, he just was lovely to spend time with. Now, just some massive news that I heard of this week. Um, <laughs> just just kind of like what Kate does. I just want to let you know that Hawthorne, if they win f- difficult matches interstate, they may not be playing the horses by Dale Rothwain. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. Alicia oh, Sutton's? No. What are you saying, you crazy person? What do you want them to replace it with? Oh, if you guys are singing it, I'm happy with horses <laughs> or, you know, Bet Goddard or Mish Cowan. But um, I think something uplifting and, I mean, what is horses about really? Well, nobody yeah, knows. No. I mean, that's kind of the point. I think it's about middle-aged men in linen suits walking along beaches. With the wind blowing is in their Is that what it's all about? What yeah. about sugar, sugar, honey, honey? Sure. Yeah. Why don't you pitch no. that to the club? Yeah. Have maybe, you... maybe we should ask for uh, members of the audience to, to send in some suggestions. Is this an indication of the changing of the guard? That You know, the mm. old guys move on yeah. and the young mm. pups come up mm. and... So I think it might Bit be... Bit of some... Beyonce. Yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say, though. I mean, Maybe surely not, because we don't have any 60-year-old people playing for Hawthorne at the moment. I mean, <laughs> it's weird that they found like 25 horses. years old or something, isn't it? I feel surely. like it could be that you've got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. That was <laughs> good song. <laughs> like, you know, I thought well, it was inspired, Beck bringing back You're the Voice. Mm. And oh, she no. started it at the that start of the season. That might be patented by the crows by now, though. No, yeah, I feel something be. a bit more contemporary is good. And Ben Stratton... DJing at Revolver probably has a few ideas, so let's see what he comes up with. Um, but it's one of those big questions before the season starts and you've got to prep, find your merch, find your scarves. I know. I was going through my drawers and um, looking for what I'm going to wear for the season. So pulling out my scarves, my hats, my badges. I've got an I Heart Croft badge. Oh. I've got badges oh. from the 70s and 80s and I've gone to lots of different stores to find these 70s badges. I weren't wearing them in the 70s. And I just thought it, it's time to get out your gear to wear it and and know what you're doing. But I also found a few I hate badges that <laughs> like I hate Carlton and I hate North Melbourne. Now who does that? Who hates no North one Melbourne? Hates North no Melbourne. one hates not what enough I've, to make a badge. <laughs> no, so I'm wondering, uh, listeners out there, what are What's your merch that you put on proudly? But do you have any negative stuff as well? I mean, that's they don't make them anymore, do they? Um, ju- I, just the Carlton banner. <laughs> 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 littered with those badges 
<laughs> I did make um I made my own merch. We've uh, Lucy Felicity and I often make merch for each other. I um had bracelets engraved with hashtag always for Aww. their Christmas presents. Felicity made tree ornaments with all of our favourite players oh, on and them. Yeah. And she made our, be- our beads of glory. Mm. So please yeah. listeners tweet or, or send us your pictures because I know there's some great Duffel coat's still in the cupboard with mothballs. Can I just go back a step and ask why we didn't get those bracelets as well? Oh, aren't really? we? Aren't we part of the sisterhood? Or Awkward. obviously not. Hashtag <laughs> sometimes always. <laughs> Time hashtag, to go. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag second tier. It sisters. actually says it says always on the outside and on the inside. Not everyone. <laughs> I've got a confession though, I lost mine. I had to make another one. <laughs> so not always. So not always. Just hashtag <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> mine says briefly. <laughs> uh, we should all go and get tattoos after this and then we'll never have to have this conversation again. Thank you very much for joining us today. We will be back next week. It was a pleasure to talk football with you. Anyone got any final business? Should we go, go out with a special song? Enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. See you. Yeah.